Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Happy to be here. We have some fun topics today. Yeah, and it seems like last week's uh, both the test don't guess and the zone two question really struck a chord. People love zone two. I think you know what? I think that actually like PB'd on our Instagram. Could I think be. that might yeah. have been like the most the most liked post we've ever done was talking about how uh I, I'm trying to think of the exact quote, but the gist was, you know. We've spent years doing endurance rides with the occasional town line sprint or, you know, surging up a hill and getting out of zone two. And we've we've all managed to get reasonably fit doing that. Uh, that's, you know, what pros have been doing for a billion years. Sure. And, so. and when do we have to be specific, I guess, is the question you could maybe ask. But I think the reality is folks like talking about uh, endurance training, but I don't think a lot of people like to do it uh, is maybe, maybe the takeaway there. But there you go. We appreciate the, we had a couple of emails, we had a couple uh, DMs, we had comments. So we appreciate all that. And yeah, if there's follow-up questions or similar questions, we welcome those. Yeah. And before we get into today's question, which is sort of a, a bit of a... Well, let's tease it. I think we should talk about these things right off the bat. It's probably good practice. What, what, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about really what to do with both your, like with your testing. So last week we talked about, should you do any testing. And by that, we meant really more like lab testing where you're talking about like going to a lab for like the VO2 max test, stuff like that, uh, or really any of those kind well, of like lack. Yeah. How tests. to decide what to do in your training yeah. is the one question. And then we're going to look at heart rate strap troubleshooting today as well. Yes. Which is a very important topic for a lot of us who have spent, uh, you know, that time pre-ride just like absolutely furious so i think a couple of really good little tips and tricks about that super all right before we get into it quick shout out to our sponsor ag1 formerly known as athletic greens so we've been using ag1 for going on two years now it's like the morning routine that i i stick to as faithfully as i stick to my yoga core routine um, and really just such a, an awesome product. I think this is the 53rd or 52nd iteration of it from when it first came out. That's right. And it has not just, it's not just a multivitamin. It has adaptogens. It has the greens, obviously. Vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, basically all of the good stuff in one thing, which is really the, the main reason we love it is because it is your sort of one-stop shop for, you know, you're looking for all of these supplements and all this stuff, but really it's so much simpler to just have the one thing that you and, yeah. trust, that and, you believe in. The time we really appreciate is, you know, we're on the road a lot. We like to travel. We like to be out in the van and, you know, then sometimes, you know, the, the amount of vegetables you can carry on a longer road trip or on a camping trip or something like that is, is just not a lot. So something yes. like this is a great uh, backup. Yeah. So that's also true for, you know, the, the business types who are often at all of these, like that's even right. long, if you're in Vegas, this is for you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just even like long days in the office where it's just not super easy. Like, obviously we're major fans of the whole food approach to getting all your nutrients, but yeah, for the, the extra insurance of having that, you know, for the days that things don't really go according to plan, it's just, yeah, fantastic. Uh, so you can check that out over at drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. If you do that, you get five free travel packs and a year supply of immune supporting vitamin D. So those are droplets. Uh, the travel packs, so convenient, so, so convenient. Uh, so definitely head over there and check it out. We'll put the link in the show notes. We appreciate if you use it again, drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. Okay. How to train. Yeah. How to train. How to train. Right. Uh, okay. what to train, how to train. Uh, I feel like we should caveat this by the, uh, the classic, it depends. Uh, well, that's what we're trying to discuss. We're trying to yeah. discuss, but it depends. And also, you know, this stuff can get really confusing. Uh, so definitely if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I still don't really know where to go with my training or like, maybe this would work. I'm not really sure. Uh, you can always head over to consummateathlete.com. You can book a consult and actually chat through what it is that you're doing with Peter and maybe get some, some more ideas that are specific to, 
test results you've had or, you know, where you're at with your training, what your goals are, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll try to work through some of the different frameworks, you know, some of the fundamental questions. And it is one of those things where, you know, the testing might be a part of this, but for a lot of people, could we start with, you know, first principles or general principles? And then from there, you know, if something like a phone consult is great because, you know, we can take these patient information or patient feedback forms or whatever you want to call them, patient history, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And, and you can start sussing out. This is what always happens in races. This is, you know, my experience. This is the goal I have. This is, you know, I always, I suck at sprinting. You know, some of these things in the our intake form, we call this, you know, the demons, like what, what demons do you have? And so a lot of times that's where the answer is to what you should, you know, work on as far as training. So yeah, we'll, we'll sort of work through some of that today. Actually, this maybe leads to an interesting question about testing. Have you ever had someone test where, or seen someone who tested and they were shocked by the result? Because I think you just said something really interesting there of like, you tend to know that sprinting is not your thing, or you suck at sprinting or whatever, like you're aware of what your demons are. So does testing ever really reveal something like truly shocking? I think so. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not someone who's tested that much in my life, but I would say for sure it does. I, I've seen a couple times, you know, it's often where the, it's these people who have trained a lot and then you're sort of plateaued or you're not making progress for a reason. Sometimes that's where it maybe it's not surprising, but it, it maybe gives you like a hint as to what, you know, and what I've seen is things like, oh, you know, this person's anemic and, you know, then you send them for blood test or something like that. Um, you know, but again, these are different types of tests, but I, I think so. I think you'd see this sometimes that it's it's maybe surprising, but yeah, that's that's where I get t tricky with the testing. As the, I think that's actually like a, a later step in most cases. Again, if you like testing, it's available to you. You have the resources to do it, then do it. But for a lot of us, it's sort of starting at first principles of you know endurance training and this sort of stuff. You know, are we checking those, getting those big rocks? Love it. Okay, so where do we go? Well, so we have, I, often when I try and answer questions, I always forget that, you know, we have these three tenants and those I think are, answer a lot of these questions. So maybe just reviewing those tenants, we have our 80, 90, 100. So 80% is a passing grade, right? Are you riding a bicycle? If you're training for bicycles, it's probably a bicycle thing you should be doing most days. So 80% is a passing grade. It doesn't have to be perfect for most people. If you're going to win the Tour de France, probably there's a lot of perfect and testing. For a lot of us, if you're starting from zero, you know, the other concept that's related to this is that, you know, anything works for six weeks or everything works for six weeks uh, is a Dan John saying. And, and so I think that's the idea is that most of us could follow a general sort of like plan and, and do all right with it. So 80% is a passing grade. And then 90% of life is showing up is the 90. And so this is the idea that you have to do it consistently. So if it's a hero workout today and you can't do anything for the next week, that's not every day, you know, 90% of life is showing up. And we like to attach onto this, you know, having your gear, having your Garmin charged, some of these other things that aren't even talking about training, but obviously make a difference when we think about showing up for your training. Okay. And then a hundred is much of the training process is spent purposefully not going hundred percent. So you could call this the zone two discussion, but the idea is that you shouldn't be maxed out. They shouldn't be vomit workouts. They shouldn't, you know, there should always be a little bit of slack or reps in reserve. Uh, most of the time, right. We save it for race day. Okay, perfect. Now, and those, those tenants, if you want to find, we'll include a link in the show notes just to our post on that, that really goes into depth on all three of them and, you know, write them down, put them on your top tube if you need to, or put the one you need on your top tube. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that might be enough to get, you know, someone who isn't training consistently or isn't, you know, getting out the door and, and have confidence that whatever you're going to do, if you're starting at a lower level of fitness, um, you know, because you haven't trained over the winter or it's been a stressful time or you're a new cyclist or or whatever, right? We, we all come back to this level of, you know, getting out the door is the main thing. And even if it's a 20 minute ride, a 20, you know, nothing in those, those principles, those three tenants said it had to be a three hour epic ride it, it, that to you should mean a 10 minute ride where you maybe work on your wheel lifts or your braking, you know, in the park or just ride to work commute. These are all going to be beneficial because you don't have that stimulus yet absorbed. Again, if you're in the tour de France, this is different. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's our first framework. 
Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that's useful? I think that's useful. Okay. Uh, side note, if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize that DW has made an appearance for the second week in a row of just like needing to be in my lap for this episode. Well, we're not back in our studio no. at home yet. Well, that so. was gonna, I was going to explain. Yeah, we're we're not in our studio. We're in a remote, uh, remote location that literally only has one room. It's a tiny house that we're staying in. So our options are pretty limited for where to put him during the episodes. So he's quietest when he's on my lap. So he is on oh, my let's lap. See. Yeah, there's probably sounds of chewing or licking or something. Apologies. <laughs> anyhow, yeah. <laughs> and if you're watching on YouTube, you can watch on YouTube. Yeah, I also have this cross training is not a crime shirt on, which uh, you can get in the consummate athlete store. So mm -hmm. there you go. It's not a crime. So we have that. So we have our tenants. So the next little framework, we're going to sort of give you sort of mental models or frameworks here that might help. You can pick whichever one you like or whatever level you think you're on. So the other framework then that's helpful sometimes is this idea of, Frequency, volume, intensity. And so this roughly tracks, I used to say beginner, intermediate, advanced, but let's just say you're limited by frequency, you're limited by volume, you're limited by intensity. And I like that framework actually more than I like beginner, intermediate, advanced, because I think people can come in and out of like how much volume like they're limited by, right? Like someone could be a super top level master's racer and then get a job promotion. And for the next year, you know, or they have like a huge project at work. So suddenly they're not, they might be considered an intermediate or even advanced racer or rider, but they're now kind of as time limited as a, a beginner. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that's exactly it is that you're going to go in and out of these. So if you come out of your off season, you know, you go on vacation, you come back, then getting back riding 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes spins is going to be beneficial for a little while. You're going to quickly go through that. But as a beginner, just it's the frequency. So a lot of times what I'll see is people will come, they ride, you know, they were going to spin class and, you know, maybe they would ride a bicycle in some form inside or outside three days a week. So to make that person faster, you need to figure out a way to get them riding five or six days a week. We still take our off day, general principles. But the frequency is going to be the biggest thing. It, it almost doesn't matter, in my opinion, like again, 10, 20, 30 minute rides. If the frequency of the practice of the skill of riding a bike is done, they're going to get faster. And that's really your question. You know, I want to train. How should I train? How do I decide how to train? Well, think about it. If you're not training frequently, that is a place that you might be able to, to get better, right? So let's try that. If it doesn't work in six weeks, we'll try something else. So that might be adding a commute that might be adding, a, again, a little spin here or there in the morning, you know, you're going to figure out how to fit this into your life. We, we think cross training could be part of that too, but let's keep it simple and thinking towards, you know, you're a cyclist, you're a runner. Can you do the thing more frequently? Once you're doing that, you can say, yes, I've gone away and I've trained for six to 12 weeks and I've been very consistent training, you know, five, six times a week. Then we're more concerned, you know, are you getting that volume in, which you know, you could boil down, I think for most people to, you know, are you getting sort of a, a 90 minute ride and a three hour ride, something like that into this, you know, certainly more can often be better, but most of us don't have that time. And what I see with most masters, again, we should qualify this. We're not talking about tour de France. We're not talking about 20 year old superstars. We're talking about people with, you know, work, family, blah, 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 life. It, it's not easy when I say this to get that 90 minute ride midweek and that ride on the weekend, you know, around three hours, not, it doesn't have to be every week, but that's, that's the idea. And there's certainly more you could do, but I think that's like a rough idea. So you're riding five, six days a week. And now we're looking at volume. Uh, you could probably tie in things like your moderate efforts, your tempo, your sweet spot, that sort of stuff into something like that around volume, you know, we're time limited. So you're going to have to do a bit more of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just really, are you riding your bike now longer to start developing endurance. So we could call this zone two and endurance training, you know, sort of big rocks of, of doing well at endurance sport is training more hours. So that's that next piece. Now, at some point you're going to become, I, I'm riding enough and we have to always say, what is enough? We don't know, but that's where I think, you know, maybe even testing and stuff, this next level where we get to intensity is thinking more, now we have to be very specific about what is zone two. This is the person that, you know, that strict, you know, intensity discipline, you know, this is an easy ride so that this one or two or three days a week, I can really push the, the envelope and do the intervals that I'm supposed to do, right? There's no like fuzziness. It has to be, this is, you know, three, four, five easy days, and then one or two or three 
hard days and they're very different days. And so this next level would be intensity. So the, the question is, when does that happen? And, and usually I'll give people, you know, usually once you're training, you know, towards the max of your volume and you've done it for a while and, and that's what fits into your life, right? It's not always what physiologically your body could handle. If you were a pro and you had no family and no work, this is in reality, you know, you've been training and you can't really do much more. That would be where you could start looking more closely at the intensity and, and how that's distributed through the week. Um, often the people that it really matters for are those ones who are getting, um, they're, they're, if we go into TSS world, can we just assume that people know TSS in this rough thing? No. Oh, okay. Uh, so usually it's around somewhere in that around a hundred, you know, if we just use big round numbers. Of TSS TS stands for training, training stress, stress score. score. And, and what that usually means to me is like, you're probably training to get to a hundred, like you're going to be training two and a half three hours a day, roughly, you know, to, you know, it could be a couple shorter days that are harder, but then you're going to have a lot of, so it's, it's a lot of hours, like more hours than most masters would ever do, which is the point sort of, right? Like it doesn't matter that much, right? So that's somewhere in there. It's going to get, it could be 80, it could be 90, it could be hundred. And that's just the average day that you have. So on average, you're riding between two and three hours a day. So I'll have some of my elite masters will get up into that 14 hours, you know, something like that. And they might get close to that. And then again, that's where I think it starts mattering a bit more that their easy days are easier, uh, or, you know, easy enough. There's more strict with their zone two. They're also getting fitter. So now we can be more particular about those zones because the zones are also getting bigger. Yeah. I, I, I know there's a lot of terms there. Yeah. I feel like you might've just gotten into the weeds a little bit there. The important part is that most of us won't probably get to the point where that, that really matters. Right. Okay. So for most of us, like don't look at our TSS score, which could be found on training peaks, by the way, like this is, yeah, I feel like we've them. They all do different variations of it that are all the same. Are they actually like Pretty all much. on the same scale? Pretty okay. Much, yeah. Yep. Okay. So don't get too freaked out by your, your TSS or. Well, the reality is like, it, it's just time times intensity. So that's load. And that's all, it's just giving you an average of your load over the last six weeks. That's all like your, your CTL or your quote unquote fitness score. And I don't know what Strava calls it, but it's something like fitness score. Uh, and that's all it's telling you is on average for the last six weeks, this is what you've done. Does that make sense? So on average, and I often just will break it down to hours for people. So if we take your last six weeks and we average it across the 42 days, six weeks, seven times six, right? Six weeks. What was the average hours you did? So you have an off day, you have the long day on the weekend. Maybe you had a long weekend and you did a little extra, but then you had a rest, rest week and you did less. So what is the average? Most people, you know, if you train seven hours a week, you did one hour a day, right? That's so, and then averaged, you know, across six weeks. So that would be most people, right? Most people are that under eight hours a week. That's what they have, you know, with an off day or two off days and then a long day on the weekend. And then they try and train 45 minutes or an hour during the week. To be clear, you can actually do quite a bit with that. It's but funny. It's most people. I, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because like, I think we're, we're surrounded often by people who are, you know, going to sort of the, the limits of like how much you can train. And this is even some of the, like the moms I'm friends with are doing, like super high volume for how how busy their lives are sure. uh, to the point where I start getting feeling really like stressed because my training isn't you know often over like 12 hours well and runners are, are a little different we'd have to different. scale this down on the runners right because most runners you know maybe that's an important point are not training the same number of hours yes if you're a runner listening to this please probably, do not think probably divide by two you know or, mm -hmm. or you know maybe a little bit more than half but yeah yeah, like for example, like Molly is training at quite a high level and for a very you know hundred mile running, but you know, probably your hours, what do you think? Maybe twelve? Something like that? Depends on what you're counting too, because if you're adding in like core and yoga and strength, it gives me a boost of a couple hours. But like if we're just talking straight running, then yeah, 10, 12. Sure. Sure. And, and probably we would count what's training. So I always say, you know, it, this is a, a whole other topic. We can do another podcast on yeah. what counts as training. Maybe that's a good one. We'll put that on the list. Uh, but yeah, I think all in probably that's about right. Right. And then I'm trying to train at a high level, whereas and I've tried to hit like eight, we're in our base phase here. So we've been trying to hit like, I tried to hit 18. It's very hard to do that, but we had a long weekend here. So that's, that's a different with cycling. Right. And I, I would say you're a higher level runner than I am cyclist. I don't know about that, but I'm trying to be like, David's always like, really yeah, Molly is the best athlete in the world. <laughs>
if you missed that episode, go back to our Valentine's Day episode on February 13th for our good friends, David and Megan, for a dose of positivity. Uh, So all that to say, I think, you know, intensity, it's not that intensity doesn't matter for those folks in the middle, but, you know, the challenge is always going to be fitting some hours into the week without pissing off your family, getting sick. You know, there's always this balance. So you can do it, you can fit it in, but that's the challenge is to find that reasonable balance. And then just in that sort of four, you know, four to six weeks, you know, one to two months, alternating the intensity that you're doing. And this is where just following the good old Joe Frill, you know, linear periodization, you know, as you ease through is going to be very effective for most people, right? It is. It's just pick something, do it for a little while and then switch it up, but keep trying to get your endurance rides in. Does that make sense? So there's still, even when you're in that middle, wherever you are, if you're frequency volume, you can still follow these plans. Not that it's not important. It's just when you get to that more elite level, that is where you know, not everything is going to work anymore is the problem, right? You're going to start hitting those, those peaks, but that isn't most of the people on this podcast. I imagine that the answer is usually try and figure out how you can ride, try and be consistent, try and not get sick, try and have good sleep. And this is, I mean, really a lot of what we were saying last week, as far as the testing went and like our slight skepticism around it is so often people aren't hitting the big rocks of that, you know, sleep, stress, frequency, et cetera. Yeah. And we talked about on that testing podcast, again, we testing's okay. Sometimes it can give you answers and, and testing could mean any host of things, that whole spectrum from your power tests on your bike, your time trails running, uh, blood tests, you know, you, it could be even some of the sleep data you're getting. Sometimes I'll look at that. Okay. Well, your sleep data has never showed you've slept over seven hours in a night. We assume that most people should sleep seven to nine hours. If you're trying to really, you know, burn the candle at both ends and work and family and train a ton, why is it not nine? Because we know that's one of the biggest rocks. Yeah, exactly. I I, I know my own training. I trained less, slept more, and just was just really careful. If I didn't sleep well, I didn't push it. And I it's amazing. <laughs> you know, it took me 10 years of training to figure out that sleep was a big one for me, but there well, you go. And it's funny, I'm working on an article around sort of myths around weight loss for runners for Canadian Running Magazine. And all three of the experts I talked to uh, were like, yeah, it's really not diet. It's really not running. It's really sleep where you're going to make those gains. Like if you're not sleeping, you can pretty much kiss like body composition goals goodbye. Sure. And that's the tough thing sometimes is that interconnectedness. Sometimes I'll talk about a stool. The stool won't stand up if you don't have these things, right? So there's sleep and stress and food and movement, you know, which we can include exercise underneath movement because your walks and your fidgeting and your standing desk, these all contribute, but any of those can interact and, and certainly sleep changes, you know, the willpower, the motivation, the energy, and then also how we use the fuel too. So yeah, sleep is a, it's an important leg of the stool. Hmm. Okay. I think that pretty much covers our like basic thing of like frequency, volume, intensity. Uh, well, I thought maybe, where were you thinking next? I was going to go on to your next point here about gap analysis. Oh, okay, sure. So then what we need to consider for all of these athletes, because at some point we are assuming you're going to go do something with your training, you're training for an event of some type. It could be a tour. It could be a big ride with friends. It could be the season of weekly races or group rides. We're not we're not judging what the event is, the thing you're preparing for, the challenge, the big ride, the FKT, the bike pack adventure. We have all of these folks, but this is where we need to consider what are you getting ready for? Because this is fitness that fit for the task. You may not need to get ready for a short track, 20 minute short track mountain bike race if you're getting ready for a 10 day bike packing adventure. So then when we look at the gaps and the limiters, it might not actually matter if you don't know how to sprint or stand up on your bike if you're bikepacking for a long time. Right. And it's funny. I was just doing an article for bicycling about what should your power output goals be. So I talked to Tim Cusack, who's a fantastic coach, creator of WKO, like very big in the big data and analysis stuff. And what he and I were talking about is so often people get into the trap. Zwift has made this even worse. Like no offense to Zwift here, the FTP trap where the only like number that you really care about raising, especially with regards to power is like this FTP. You got to get your 20 minute test up because otherwise your numbers are like are low. And I'm using quotes around that because that's like the only metric that people really almost know about their power. Uh, But if you're doing a crit race, for example, your FTP actually does not really matter nearly as much as your your sprint or your VO2. 
or, or your just tactics. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we were talking about, you know, really looking like when you're thinking about what your power output goals should be, stop focusing on the FTP number as the only power output goal. Mm -hmm. Instead, look at what, you know, what race you're doing, really like looking at the course and figuring it out. And the crits are a very obvious example, but, uh, you know, looking at are there long climbs that where the pack tends to like go, you know, someone starts attacking. Like, okay, now we need to work. Maybe that actually is your FTP. Maybe it is. You know, you're like, just depending on what, how, what the efforts are going to look like, that's, you know, probably what we need to work on. Sure. And so you could do that with power. Tim does a great job of looking at something like a crit race and seeing, you know, on the 10th lap, there was this effort that's 30 seconds, every single lap, and then you weren't able to hold it. And then, okay, now we can go and maybe train based off of that or a certain duration we're trying to pull out of that. And that's, that's a little more high tech for a, a lot of folks, especially if we are thinking more towards our off-road bike packing sort of people, you can do stuff like this with power from a mountain bike race, perhaps. But as it gets longer, I do think we're starting, the nice thing is that experience and preparation and gear, pacing, you know, these things all become more important than that explosive, you could say athleticism, skills, you know, these things become a little more devalued uh, or less valuable as, as these other things start coming in gut, you know, and just like your gut staying together. I always say with bike packing, are you terrified of the dark? You know, so do you have experience in the darkness? Uh, you know, craft, woods craft, or what is this? Something like that. Something where you, you know, can build a fire or whatever, right? It, it sounds odd, but these are start coming at the extremes of these, these other disciplines can become really important. Now, to your point about the the race analysis or the event analysis, this is where whatever the thing is you did, assuming you did it in the past, you can now look at it though and see what were the issues. And, and the bike packing people I work with are really good with this. Okay, this was too heavy. I didn't need this. I was getting really tired at this point. You know, this food didn't work. And so they start going through this gaps analysis of, okay, on day three, you know, it got really hard. And why was it really hard? Okay, I didn't, you know, carry enough food or take in the water. And so for them, it's, it's almost more, you know, the preparation, the fueling, the gear, but you could do the same thing in a mountain bike race. You know, I'm good off the start or I'm not good off the start. I had a, a guy I consulted with when I was racing. <laughs> he didn't speak English super well, but that's what he asked. He said, are you ahead or are you behind at the start? And I said, oh no, yeah, I usually get, I'm not near the start at, or like near the front at all. He said, okay, well then you don't have speed. There you go. So, you know, and so in the mountain bike race, that was an important thing, you, you know, especially even more than at that time. Now it's super important to be able to be near the start. And so that gets into the start position. So how do we figure out how do you stage higher up? That may be points or, you know, the, the getting to the start line earlier in some cases. And then can you start beside a bunch of people and do it really, really hard? So this gets into you could test that power, you know, sprint power, three, three minute, five minute power. Uh, but it could also just be a, a blanket, like, yeah, other people are faster at starting. I need to figure out how to get off the line. And for a lot of people, it's actually more technique than any sort of physiological power production. It's actually the, how do you go from standing still to getting going? And most people never practice that. So every interval that person does should be from a standing start. Even if it's a 20 minute threshold, just stop, put your foot down race start and then get into your threshold so again an example of where that's a gap so you should be stopping and starting just constantly in, in that sort of niche example but because the starts are so important um so that gap analysis you know is, is really good and again we could take that to technical skill you know anything you know you get dropped in every single track in the race well then why are we sitting on the trainer all of your training rides you know doing zone two when the thing that you're getting beat on is the single track. You know, you're, you're the, you're the double track racing person that everyone gets mad at. Cause then you slow them down the, well, there's the, you know, that's the gap. Right. And so it, sometimes it can sound harsh, but like you're spending all this time training, but you only have so much time to train. So this is where looking at those limiters can be really, really powerful when we're trying to, again, the question today, decide what to do with your training. Yeah. And we did actually a whole episode on gap analysis back in November. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Mm. Uh, but you know, in that one, we really got into all of the nuances like nutrition and mental performance and all of that as well. Cause all of that also goes into this, this gap analysis. So I think 
point number one is like, figure out what the goal is you're working for. And again, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a race. It's just, it's helpful to have some kind of carrot that like just forces you to be a little bit more specific. So even if you don't currently have a race on the schedule, just think about like a thing that you want to do that isn't something that you've done before, even, you know, riding with the group that's like normally faster than you or whatever the heck it is going a distance. You've never gone, whatever. Setting up the environment. Yeah. I like that. Uh, yeah. So like put that thing on and then I think start making that kind of exhaustive list of the the gap analysis and also not feeling bad about like not looking at it as look, looking at it as neutrally as possible. No, they're just versus, opportunities, right? Again, yeah. you only have so much time. So work on the thing, you know, you want to keep working on your strengths. This is always the other thing is some people are, you know, really good at riding for extended periods of time or have great endurance, that doesn't mean that, you know, you should abandon that, but you, that doesn't take a lot of work. You, you know, a lot of times you get almost like addicted to the thing you're really good at, for but, sure. but it doesn't take as much to maintain that stuff. I'll see a lot of people who are great endurance riders. They can ride for hours all day. You know, they can finish something like unbound and it's not even that, you know, it's a big effort, but it's not nearly the thing that it is for a lot of people. But, you know, that can be maintained. That's where that 90 minutes and three hours, like it sounds really scary to some folks who are up in the like five and seven hour rides, but you don't have to do that to maintain it. You need to do it periodically. But if your race then is something like a three hour gravel race, that's really intense and you're getting popped, you know, every time the, the, the surges on all the climbs or the technical sections, the segments in it, you know, this person, you know, if that's the goal, then that's, that's the goal, right? That's the, mm-hmm. that's the gap. And so you maintain the strengths. You don't want to lose those. You can even make them stronger in some cases, but you do want to like shore up those gaps if they're, right. you know, the, uh, we call those critical moments. If you're not able to get past that, that gate, if you will, or that critical moment in the race, then that's, that's what we work on. Yeah. To that end, if you find the task of like all of the, the gaps kind of daunting, I think it is worth looking at the event that you have and listing everything that's part of it. And that can be all of the stuff that you're really good at as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the endurance can be part of that, or, you know, the fact that you're super good at like taking in enough fuel and your gut is rock solid. Like that can be part of it that way. uh, This is like that to-do list thing where sometimes you put a thing on the to-do list just to check it off. Um, It does, I think, help when you have like a list of here's, you know, the 15 components of this event and okay, seven of them are pretty accounted for pretty comfortable with those. And then you kind of see which ones are the gaps, but at least that way you don't go into the event feeling like I suck at every part of this. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the thing too to remember is we just need one or two things, you know, some of this can be layered on top. So say you get really nervous before the race. So maybe we'll include what would be like a sports psych thing, like a relaxation or breathing practice. So we're going to do a physiological side, look it up. You can, you know, sniff through your nose a couple of times and then breathe out really slow. You're going to do that four times before you start your workout. Okay. Or it could be visualization or whatever your mental training is. Then maybe you said nutrition. So you're going to try some of this like higher carb fueling two or three times a week on your intense and long rides. So there's a nutritional piece and then, okay. Yeah. This Peter mentioned the standing starts thing. So I'm going to start every interval for the next six weeks is going to be from a standing start, no matter what the actual interval focus is. That's the idea. And maybe in the warm up for my actual intervals, I'm going to also do three start simulation type sprint efforts. It's sort of warm up efforts, but also just to include some more start sprints, do the thing more often. And that could be the the extent of the, the limiter. And then you just do whatever the other. So if you're in a threshold block or you like doing sweet spot or whatever your intervals are, you just could do those. Uh, but then that's how you could maybe include some of these gaps or limiters into the, the training process, right? And that's not really, that took like 30 seconds to talk about, right? You put some more sugar in your bottle, you take two deep breaths before you start your workout. And then you just start from a standing start a little annoying, but you know, it'll be second nature after two weeks. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so that's that. So we have the, you know, thinking about the event, thinking through it, what are the challenges going to be? Cause that's going to really inform, especially as we get into the last, you know, eight weeks before your race, that's where we want to get more specific. So that's going to take care of a lot of the, what does the training start to look like? Well, it starts looking more like the race on a lot of the, you know, the, at least the, for the couple of key sessions of the week, it starts looking more like the race in, in, in regardless almost of who you are, right. You could almost think about training as if we are too real that you're a sprinter and I'm a endurance, like triathlete thing. type thing, 
we might start from a little different places to working on our limiters, but at some point we need to almost converge on, yeah, we're both getting ready for unbound or something, right? We're going to get ready for a 200 mile gravel race. So at some point, those, those training is going to start looking pretty similar, even though you have two different people you're preparing to try and give them the experiences, right? You as, did I say you were a sprinter? So if you were a sprinter, maybe you have zero experience riding long, Whereas maybe as an endurance person, maybe I'm not going to be ready for the the faster start or the group. Maybe I've never ridden with a group. I'm a triathlete, so I never ride with people. You can see how like what the experiences they need to have in the training are different, but then maybe they're going to converge in that like at some point they're both going to need to do some long gravel bike rides. Right, right. And again, this is, you know, the same, whether or not we're talking about an actual event or, you know, just something you've put on the calendar just to give yourself that, that thing. And that's partially because training really should undulate throughout the year. So it does make sense, even if you don't have a goal to have sort of some of these like specific phases, mm -hmm. this is why we say set something as a goal, even if it's not a race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. And, and that could be, again, just a big ride that you're a little nervous about a big route you've never done, or, you know, for some people it could be the power test even, right. Or the local Strava Hill, the local Hill for sure. For some people can be enough too. Right. And it's, it's not the most enjoyable thing probably because it's not the thing you necessarily like, but it is a little scary. And then that can help motivate the training that you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Where next? Well, I don't know. What else did we have on this list? Um, I think, so we, we do have testing there. We have task demands. We've talked about that. The race analysis, we've talked through that a little bit here. Uh, we talked about those couple frameworks. So I guess the, the other thing then is just, if we talk about field testing, we didn't talk a lot about that. I thought that would be another place where if you weren't sure, and you do have a power meter, then you might be able to go and do a few different tests. So this would be power profiling. You could look up if you have training racing with a power meter, the book. Um, that book details this stuff quite extensively. You can probably Google it as well if you look up power profiling. But the idea is to compare sort of short, medium, long, maybe tests, you know, how much power can you produce? And, and I'll, you, so you can look that up. If you're in Training Peaks, there's a power profile where it compares, I think, your five second, one minute, five minute, 20 minute, and maybe a 60 minute. I think it also does the 60. So you can sort of see and it ranks them. And what I always say is what you're looking for is just which ones are the lower in relative terms. So it might rate you as, you know, very poor on your sprint is often the case. And then people will, you know, it'll go up and they're maybe they're, they're 20 minutes because everyone tests their 20 minutes. You know, is it going to be maybe a little higher? So what you can do with that then is a, it might tell you where you haven't been training, which is sometimes really interesting, right? The other thing that I see with a lot of people is they never do anything hard or maximal, probably even under five minutes. So for a lot of people, if you're saying, what should I do in training? It often, the answer can be what you've never done before. Um, you know, right now I'm doing a bit more jumping and plyometric stuff, which is, you know, not rocket science, but it's something I've never included a ton. There you go. I'll probably get a benefit out of it. If I don't get injured, this is always the trick. Uh, but I'm trying to be slow with it, right? And it's, yeah, I'm not someone who sprints very well. I'm not someone who starts very well. Uh, I'm not, I don't think a very fast twitch person, but um, probably will be great for me. So similarly, what I'll see is with the, the, especially that sprint. So say five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds sprints, however you want to arrange it in your training, it could be standing starts or, or um, you know, rolling into it like a sign sprint type thing. For a lot of people, what that does is it trains this skill and athleticism that they've never really experienced. And we can start lengthening that out even to five minutes because these are pretty aggressive, explosive efforts. And so I find a lot of times when people have flat power curves, meaning that they have their 20 minute power is 200 watts. Their five minute power is 205 watts. Their 30 or their, sorry, the one minute power is 210 watts. Their five second you know, sprint, 250 right? So this is, I see this a lot. And, and some of it is because they would never sprint. They've been told to sit down. They don't like to do it, whatever the reason is. But if you can rate, this is that raise the roof thing we sort of talked about where you can't raise the 20 minute. Does that make sense mathematically? Yes. Right. So if you're five minutes, 205, I'm exaggerating, but not by a lot. It's a flat power curve. So if you think about those numbers sort of graphed out, it's flat. 
So what we would rather see is that person can do 300%, you know, 200 to 300% of their FTP or their 20 minute or whatever, pick whatever you want. Um, you know, so if it's 200, then probably they should be able to hit 400 or 500, you know, more so that then there's room. If their goal was to get to 210 for 20 minutes, then you have to first do that for five minutes, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. You can't, you can't do 20 minutes before you do five minutes. Yeah, right. you, fair enough. You, you would have to do this, <laughs> but this is what you see a lot of times. So it could be physiological, but my argument is always, I think a lot of it is they're just not doing it. And then two, it's a little more aggressive than they want to be on a bicycle or athletic, if you will, right? Like it takes a lot of coordination to sprint, right? Especially as you start pushing up into six, 700, 800, a thousand for a lot of people, this is really, really aggressive and explosive and fast, Right? It just takes a lot. Again, this gets back to like not a lot of us don't jump, a lot of us don't sprint. So I would say for a lot of people, that's an area to really try and ease into and see because I think what the, that'll do is just open up this whole new area that your threshold, your all day pace, your whatever will come up because you're able to now access this. You're able to maybe you're standing a bit more on the bicycle when needed which can just be a game changer. Again, not overnight, but this is in six weeks. I bet you if you stand a bit more, include sprints a few times a week, uh, I would be very surprised if you don't see those other numbers start to budge. Perfect. Yeah. So power profiling, we'll leave that with you as homework if you want to look into it, but the short answer is probably just, you know, maybe a little more sprints and, you know, shorter stuff uh, periodically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, any, anything else to add or? No, hopefully there's enough of a framework there, right? I think the, the, you know, 80% is passing grade and keep doing something, uh, try and not make it all maximal, uh, that endurance. I think maybe that's the only last thing is too, when we look at your data is that endurance, you know, we can call it zone two, but let's just call it endurance that low intensity. A lot of times what we'll see, especially with the time limited people is that that rough 80, 20 split that's cliche, but again, most of the training process isn't you know, hard, isn't maximal, isn't moderate. A lot of times that's shifted where there's a lot of time in that middle ground. And so it's a cliche, but it's pretty true too, is like, if you're not making progress anymore, you're feeling tired, you get sick a lot, try and do more time down in that low intensity. It takes a bit of courage. Uh, and it's not to say you can't do your sweet spot, but what you, again, only one or two days a week for most of us as masters adults are going to be in that sweet spot. This is even uncle Frank, Frank Overton. He, he would even say he's gone through a bunch of their sweet spot plans. And he, he says, no, it basically is that right. There's a lot of endurance and then there's the, the, the sweet spot and this tempo and the moderate stuff. Now, when you say 80, 20, and this is maybe getting a bit in the weeds, but like when you say 80, 20 with that, are you saying 20% should be at that higher intensity or 20% should be where it's like, one out of five work like oh so there's two questions there so i'm just referring to and this is the the research is mixed on both those questions there's sort of two questions of that so i'm saying 80 percent should be easy and then 20 percent should be something else <laughs> so moderate or hard this is a little different than polarized where it's like nothing in the middle and then they're suggesting that most you know you have 20 percent up in the very high intensity 80 percent where you know there's there's sort of diversion and depending on how you account for it and everything else and, and the sport. So we're saying 80, most of your time should be easy and then moderate or hard. So intervals for the rest. And but then, with the intervals, if we say you'd have like, uh, five by five minutes at hard with three minutes of recovery in between is the time at hard the 25 minutes or is it the 40 minutes sure so that's the second question is how do you account the 80 20 and so the research is also very mixed and this really changes it this is where it gets tricky so there's the session counting like the intention of the session which is what i believe is the way it should go and this gets to that how strict you need to be with our endurance training our zone two so we need to be sort of strict because you only want about 20 percent of the sessions to be moderate or hard Okay. See, that's, that's where I was kind of going with that because, you know, for me, if I look at my, my run volume for the week, 25 minutes of it is hard. Yeah. 
And then but I trained the like... other wrink the other wrinkle in the research is what do you use to account high intensity? Because heart rate could be depressed if someone's like in a cold environment or if they only do like shorter sprints, maybe they wouldn't get the heart rate up for very long. Yeah, it sort of misses it. And and even just the dose, you know, if you did 10 maximal sprints in a workout, you could be very tired for like for a, sure. a week if you really wound it up. Uh, but, but that would be you know, so little if you were, especially if you were counting by heart rate, but even power, think about that 10 by 10. So that's like a hundred, uh, seconds. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. <laughs> and then you go and train, you know, whatever you train, right. 10, 10 hours, so it's really not very much. So yeah, that's where it it just, it it can't possibly, like 80, it, 20% becomes a lot, unless you're doing, you know, tempo or sweet spot, you could do it that way. But then, yeah. So, so the session counting method, I think is, is the way to do it, mm-hmm. uh, which again, gets to the point where those endurance sessions probably should be relatively strict uh, because you don't want those to start creeping into those right. other sessions, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just wanted to clarify that because I do think that gets like stressful and confusing because I hear it and I immediately am like, oh my God, I'm not doing nearly enough intensity. If I think about it in like the most literal sense of the. Yeah. And it's one of those ones that even if you go back in the research, like a lot of it is looking back on like a world champions training and their training logs or something. And so it is, it is tricky because that's, do you, can you do that? That's like looking back. Is that how you would then program forward necessarily? And are you trying to fit stuff into that? Yeah, I I don't know. So I would say just double check that you're being careful that there are endurance sessions in your, in your training and it's boring. I get it. I get it. Right. But that's the thing is people, you know, the sort of the one note I had here just to finish off, I guess, on this is most of what you see on Instagram or anything else is going to be the snazzy race result, the high intensity interval thing, the suffer, you know, whatever, the big epic ride that we post. But what's missing a lot of times is just the amount of boring, unremarkable endurance riding, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the sad reality is that that's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Let's wrap that question up there and then hit you with a rapid fire. Let's get into heart rate strap troubleshooting. Okay. Well, I'll try and do this justice. I don't know if I can hold this mic and do this at the same time, but here we go. Well, here, do you want me to hold? I don't know. We can try this. Do you want to do it? Okay. I'll be a mic stand. All right. So this is, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see, uh, if you're listening, we'll talk through it. So you don't really need to stress about going to YouTube. Uh, but this is, you know, you're getting ready for a ride and your heart rate strap is not connecting. How do we troubleshoot? Okay. So key here is to have a Canadian toonie. If you don't know about toonies, you can Google it, but it's our $2 coin. It's got a, does it still have a polar bear? It does. I think so. Yeah. So polar bear, it's the perfect size to try and get the back uh the battery cover off your heart rate strap okay to be clear a quarter would work just fine but you know what works better a toonie in all cases it's a great coin and <laughs> worth about as much as a quarter if you're doing the american canadian conversion <laughs> okay so your heart rate strap isn't working so there's a few few things to just sort of double check a it needs to go on the skin i always check this a lot of people will roll their eyes but it can't go over your bib strap or over your undershirt you need to have it right on your skin Right. These are sort of like electrodes that are going to, you know, need to be moist. So that's our next thing to check is, do you have it moist? Is it fairly tight? Okay. It can be uncomfortable, but you'll get used to it in most cases. You want your heart rate strap, which is around just under sort of where a bra strap would be, or just sort of under your pecs above your belly is this heart rate strap. So is it installed correctly? Uh, A lot of times we'll say you want the logo. So the, whatever the brand is to be upright. It's not always that it matters, but some of them are left, right specific. So just align your logos. We always say that's a good rule of thumb. You know, your tires, your, all these things should be aligned. Nice, beautiful logos. Okay. And then cleaning. Uh, I'm not big on cleaning mine, but if it isn't working, it is worth giving it a hand scrub with just some soap. You know, you can look this up. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily run them through the, the clothes washer, but a lot of them, the battery covers come off. So you probably could, uh, but I would just hand wash it. I was going to hand wash dish soap. Just make sure you rinse it. Just especially if you have sensitive skin, you don't really want to have that soap on there. Mm -hmm. Um, so the next thing to do actually, before you get into all this toonie business is try it with a different device. Mm. Uh, because I think a lot of the time it's actually not the heart rate strap that's acting up. It is your computer, your watch, your phone, whatever. So, uh, 
you know, figure out if you have any other thing in the house that it connects to. A lot of them now are Bluetooth and Ant Plus, so they'll connect to both a cycling computer and your phone. Sure. Uh, so just do a quick check that it's the act, like it is the heart rate strap that's being the issue versus your device. And if it's the de- if it looks like it's the device, restart the device. Right. And so we can repair. So let's then go. So I have a fresh battery, which is annoying to put in a fresh battery, but this is a good thing to do. And before you do that, I don't know if I can show this on the screen, but there's going to be little, let me put this in here. Yeah. So if you can see, there's like a lot of little metal pieces in there. And so if you visually inspect that, then you can come in and just make sure that there's the little leads aren't bent or really jiggly. So sometimes you'll see that like the piece of metal actually has snapped off or it's bent back because maybe, you know, it got installed aggressively, but you want to make sure that those metal pieces are touching the battery. And then I'm going to install my new battery backwards. Some of the heart rate straps, again, we're just trying to be general with this. So this doesn't necessarily matter for all of them, but if you install it backwards and just for 10 seconds, and I'm just going to leave it in there, then what it'll let us do is reset the, the, the sensor in some cases. So after I've done that and sort of, you know, what's that called? Like grounding it out, I guess. Then I'll install it the correct way, just gently making sure that those, the battery snaps in there. It's pretty firm. Like it shouldn't easily fall out. If I turn it upside down, then I'm going to reinstall the cover onto the thing using the toonie so that I don't strip out the back. Then what we'll do again, align it with the logo up. So you have a bit of a nice left, right is perfect. And then what we should be able to do is it put this on and have it on snugly and have it read well. Now, the only other thing you could go and do a bit of troubleshooting on is get it to pair to your phone and then use the app for the company. So if it's Wahoo or Garmin or whatever, use that to try and update any of the firmware. It's not usually the case, but sometimes these things now that everything's quote unquote smart. So maybe a firmware update could help, but that's sort of our main things is new battery, install it backwards, then install it properly. Make sure that none of the inside metal pieces are broken or jiggly. Put it back on using a toonie. Then put it, align the logo, put it on tightly right on your skin, and then it should read. Now, if it doesn't, we suggest you might want to look into a new heart rate strap. uh, And we'll put a couple links in our show notes to some of our favorite ones and some of the cheaper ones as well, which seem to work really well. Okay. Dumb follow-up question. Have you ever found someone who it didn't work on them, but then, you know, they give it to their partner or whatever, and it it works? Like, should they check it on another person? I don't know. Some people say that's gross, but uh, I I haven't seen that. You know, I I, I had a client ask if hair, like being really hairy, I guess at some point that might, but I've never really seen that over the years. Well, you don't chest hair, so. Well, not in me. Like, I've just never really seen a client who's like, oh yeah, I have to shave my chest or it like doesn't work. If you like have a significant amount of chest hair. It, it could it be, makes, it, but it makes but sense. It be why the heart rate strap would stop working. If it was working before, yeah, you don't need to necessarily change your. I, I wouldn't start. Don't there. shave your chest if it well, previously you, you worked. Can, you can, but yeah, I wouldn't start there if it was working before. So the reality is, a lot of these things will wear out if you train a lot. It, it could be only be a year or a year and a half. Again, these these cheaper ones, which we'll link to. They seem to be lasting as well or, or better. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Perfect. All right. We will wrap up there. Uh, as always, consummateathlete.com to hit us with any questions or at consummateathlete on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're looking for more questions. We have some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, and if you like this episode, do us a favor, leave us a rating, review, subscribe, either on the podcast app, on YouTube, pretty much wherever podcasts are found. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you next week.